Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast weekly sermon podcast. Due to the coronavirus crisis, we're holding church services online until further notice, and we encourage you to join us. For info and updates, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at New Life SoCo and visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's an encouraging word. It is so good to be in the house of God. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Oh, come on. Y'all could do better than that. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Uh, you guys got to give me some patience. This is my first time working with an iPad. <laughs> Having some technical difficulties. It's all flappy and everything. I don't know how Pastor Marco does this every single week. <laughs> Aren't we blessed to have the pastors that we have? Yeah. I mean, I don't know... I don't know if we know how lucky and blessed we are to have Pastor Marco and Lindsay faithfully for decades pioneering, leading faithfully with love and grace and truth to show us what it means to actually walk this walk of faith. I'm so thankful for the leadership that we have in this house. Aren't you? Aren't you? And not just Pastor Marco and Lindsay, Pastor Steve and Nancy for decades, over 30 years, leading faithfully in this region. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. And if it wasn't for their faithfulness, I wouldn't be here. And I know a lot of us in this room, online, across the world, honestly, would not be here. So I'm so thankful for their faithfulness for them showing what it means to actually walk this life out in faith, to fight the good fight. And that's simply what I want to talk to you about this morning, fighting the good fight. I want to dive into what it actually means to fight the good fight because we're all fighting something. We're all fighting something. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up fighting the wrong battles. We can get, fi- we can get caught up fighting the wrong people. We can get caught up thinking that people are our enemies. We can get caught up having our insecurities and our pride, put up barriers between the, same, the people that we're supposed to be reaching. So I want to talk to you this morning about fighting the good fight. And we get this from 1 Timothy, and this is Paul writing to his boy Timothy, who was a church leader. And he says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Fight the good fight for the true faith. I love this because you know your faith is real when you fight for it. You know your faith is real when you hold tight to it, regardless of what you're seeing in the physical, regardless of what your bank account is showing, regardless of what the politicians in Washington or the riots that are going on, regardless of what you see, you're holding on to your faith. And you know it's real faith when you're standing up and you're saying it in front of other people. So fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight. You know, Paul, he also says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That means that any person on planet Earth, regardless of their age, their background, their color, if they're a man, woman, or child, regardless of their political views, regardless of what they say about me or even do to me, they are not my enemy. See, fighting the good fight is not fighting against people. It's fighting for people from a position of faith and love. Like, we're the ones that get so caught up on fighting people. Me versus them. Them versus me. We're the ones that pick sides. Have you noticed that Jesus never picked a side? The only fight that he ever 
fought was for people, and the only side that he ever picked was the fathers. I mean, we're the ones that get caught up on sides, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, all lives matter, black lives matter, blue lives matter, my family against your family, this church against this church, this job against this job, we compete against people at work, we compete against family members, if you're not careful, your spouse can become competition. We're the ones that choose sides, but Jesus never picked a side. I mean, like, look at the tension between the disciples and the people that we read about in Scripture. I mean, like, one minute, Jesus is going in on the Pharisees. And then the next minute, he's having dinner in a conversation with one. I mean, he called Judas, who was a thief, and then he calls fishermen. He calls tax collectors. He ministers to prostitutes, thieves, killers. Think about this. Jesus healed and blessed a Roman centurion, centurion who was an oppressor at that time. He called Jews, Gentiles. Jesus didn't pick any sides. He was for everyone. God is for all people. Jesus is for all people. I pray you catch this this morning. We're the ones that pick sides. There's only one side that Jesus is on, and it's God's. I mean, we just got finished going through the book of Acts. Paul and Barnabas got into it. I mean, like, these were two pioneers, powerhouses of the early church, and they had a disagreement so bad that they had to go separate ways. But they still had love and respect for each other and were still focused on the main mission in the main fight, which was fighting for people. We're the ones that get annoyed. We're the ones that people get on our nerves. We can't stand. Look, we're going to get to heaven one day and see a bunch of people that we can't stand. (laughs) We're going to get to heaven one day and see a bunch of people that we disagreed with on this side of eternity. And we're going to feel stupid. I mean, I don't know if we're going to feel stupid in eternity, but I might feel stupid. (laughs) Jesus is for everyone. He's for everyone. You know, we're called to be a community, a community, common unity, common unity. The common thing that unites us is Jesus Christ. Anything else is secondary. The common thing that unites me and every single person in this room and every single person on planet Earth that professes the faith of Jesus Christ is not the problem. They're my brother, my sister. That's the common thing that unites us. Anything else is secondary. That means I'm a Christian a follower of Jesus before I'm American. I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus before I'm a black man. I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus before I'm a husband, a soon-to-be father, a worker, regardless of where you are. You are not defined by anything else other than your identity in Jesus Christ. And... I think that's where we get mixed up, where a lot of times we're defined by everything else other than being a child of God, where I'm so caught up in what I do, who I am, how other people perceive me, what I have, what I don't have, that when I see you, I instantly have a barrier and you're the enemy. What if we stop being identified by anything other than Jesus Christ? What if we stop looking at other people by what they wear, what they do, what their job is, what their title is? what they have for young people, how much clout you have, and simply saw them as children of God, 
And what if we carried ourselves like that? See, we're getting ready to dive into Matthew chapter 4. And right before this, Jesus has a powerful moment at his baptism where he doesn't do anything yet. He hasn't preached a sermon, hasn't done a miracle, and the Holy Spirit descends, the heavens open, and the Father speaks and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hasn't done nothing yet. And right after that, he goes into the wilderness and is tempted, and the enemy attacks his identity. If you are the son of God, do this. If you are the son of God, bow down to me, and I'll give you all this. If you are the son of God, do something crazy so that people will perceive you to be the son of God. And every single time, Jesus came back with the word of God. Because he knew that his identity was not found in anything that he could do, anything he has, what other people think of him. He knew his identity was found in being the son of God, being a child of God. Can that be the same for us this morning? It's not about fighting people. It's about reaching people. So right after Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, we see him now go into his public ministry. And you guys can put this verse up. It's Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 12. And we're going to do some reading this morning, amen? Amen. Chapter 12. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. And I know for some of you, these names seem completely foreign, but simply these are just different places in the time of Jesus in in, um, Israel. It'd be like saying in Fall River, in New Bedford, beyond the Taunton River. (laughs) This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulon and Naphtali, beside the sea beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who live in the land where death has cast a shadow, a light has shined. I want to read that one more time. In the land of Zebulon in Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. I don't know if you're like me, but I ask questions when I read the Bible. Like, I'm just naturally, that's my personality. I question, I wrestle, I'm hard-headed, ask my parents, ask my wife. And so when you read the Bible, you've got to ask questions. Why in the world did Jesus do most of his ministry in Galilee? Why? Or like, even like, have you ever like asked the question, why the Jews? Why Israel? Why are they his chosen people? Have you ever asked that question? Like, why did it have to start with them? Well, think about it. Jesus, God, Jesus, had to start somewhere. He had a divine plan of saving and redeeming humanity, and he had to start somewhere. So he took, at that time, you had a bunch of different tribes, a bunch of random people. He took a small, insignificant man, Abraham, and made him a great nation. And I don't know about you, but that's, <laughs> that like builds me up and gives me hope because saying that God can take my little insignificant life and use it in his grand plan. So he saw the world, saw humanity, and said, you know what, I think I'm going to start with him and make it a great nation. And even to this day, you look at Israel, it's between enemies, it's a small nation, but somehow, someway, God used it to literally bring forth the salvation of the world. Now let's go a little bit deeper. The nation of Israel, all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, is known as God's chosen people. But we as the church, we know that once you come into your faith in Jesus Christ and you are saved, you are now a part of that family, which means that when you're reading the Bible and you see God speaking to God's chosen people, Jerusalem, or the Jews, the nation of Israel, he's really talking about the church. It's 
really talking about the family of God. So there's only two types of people, Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles is everybody else. So put it this way, Jew, Christian, Gentile, unchurched. Jew, Christian, Gentile, unchurched. And when it came to the nation of Israel, you see it right here in the Bible, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live, in the nation of Israel, the part where the most Gentiles, unchurched people, were in Galilee. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, Galilee? What are you doing over there? You see, when you read the Bible, how there was a stigma over there, those, church pe- those unchurched people, those Gentiles, those dirty people, that's where Jesus did his ministry. So let me ask you this, in your life, are you, f- like, this blows my mind that God was that strategic. Jesus played no games. He said, yeah, 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 I'm going to go here because I want to reach more people. Maybe God placed you strategically in the family that you're in. Maybe God placed you strategically in the job that you're in because he wants to use you to reach people that maybe yourself, if you're not careful, will miss. You may not be working your dream job, but can you work it like you're living your dream, like you're living for Jesus? You may have beef with certain family members, but can you say, if God is sovereign, he placed me in this place and time with this person to be my mom, this person to be my dad, I think I'm here for a reason and a purpose. So let's continue. In Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined, talking about Jesus. In this dark land, Jesus, the light of the world, has come. And from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And then they left their nets at once and followed him. A a little further up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. So we know that Jesus has a heart for reaching people. And we know that Jesus is all about calling, redeeming, saving people. And when I say people, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you online. Jesus sees you right where you are and he calls you because he loves you. He sees you. But we get a glimpse into the people who has Jesus' heart. And you can, there's what, 7.7.8 or something like that, billion people on planet Earth, and you can categorize every single one of them into one category. We need the grace of God. (laughs) Billions of people, one category, we all need the grace of God. But when I read this, I see a glimpse into the people that Jesus calls. You see, we have Peter and Andrew in their boat, casting it, making a living. Have you ever seen somebody that you looked at and was like, wow, they're killing it, they're making a living. They seem sophisticated, 
They got it all together. They got the job, they got the family, they got the house, they got the car. They're making a living, they're doing their thing. See, you could be outwardly killing it, living your life, but inwardly broken. They were making their living, they were doing it. You could be a millionaire with millions of dollars in the bank, but you know in your heart there's something missing. You could be a businessman, you could be on your grind doing you, but you know, I don't got this. Jesus calls people that seem like they have it all together. But then he gets to James and John and they were repairing their nets. The thing that they were supposed to be making their life with, it was broken. You had one group of people that seemed like they got it together and you got some people that are broken. Both need the grace of God. See, by the call of the first disciples, Jesus is telling us, I'm here for the two people. Those that think they got it together and those that definitely don't. But both of y'all don't got it together, so come and follow me. And immediately, immediately, they follow. So whether you're online or in this building today, you think you got it together. Let me be honest with you. You don't. You don't. I don't care what your 401k says, I don't care what your bank account says, I don't care what your stocks or whatever it is says, you ain't got it when it comes to the things that actually matter. You need Jesus. And if you're in this place today and you're like, I know I don't got it. I'm in debt. My kids, my family's going crazy. My marriage is on the rocks. Jesus got you too. And immediately these men drop everything and follow him. And the Bible doesn't tell us what it is exactly that made them drop everything to follow him. Was it his vibe? Was it his confidence? The way that he spoke? The way that he was dressed? I don't know. And I can't speak for the first disciples, but I can speak for myself. And I think there's something inside every single human being that when you see truth, something resonates in you. Where you know the real thing when you see it and experience it. And let me tell you this, church, there is nothing more real than Jesus, than God and his love for you. And I know this because I was there. I've been on both sides of the spectrum. Freshman in college, everybody and their mama thinks that you're killing it because you're in school, on the football team, balling. And those of you that are going through right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about, be honest. Your mom's asking you, what are you majoring in? Oh, business management? You don't know. <laughs> Family members hyping you up, coaches, friends, everybody thinking you're doing it because you're in school. But when I was sitting in that dorm room, I knew, I don't know who I am, I don't know what I'm doing, and I was in a dark place. Had no idea how I was gonna pay for finance. It, it, it was low, it was low. But God met me in that spot. And I had never read the Bible on my own up until this point. I don't know if you've ever done Russian roulette with the Bible. But I did that. And I came to Mark chapter 8, verse 34. You guys don't got it. Don't worry. You don't got to put it up. And it became my life scripture. It said, those of you that try to find your life will lose it. But if you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you will find it. I didn't need a pastor, I didn't need a commentary, I didn't need a podcast or a YouTube. I knew exactly what the Spirit was speaking to me. 
I was trying to find my life in my degree, in my money, in my parents' approval, in my coach's approval. Football, clout, partying, all that was my identity. I was trying to find my life in those things and I was losing it in pursuit of those. And I knew that I had to lay that stuff down, take hold to true life, which is Jesus, which would give value to everything else. So let me ask you this, what are you finding your life in this morning? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your job, your degrees. Maybe it's in your brokenness. You keep going through the same cycle, going to the same brokenness, trying to find life in something and it ain't working, it's never gonna work. But I'm here to tell you today that there is hope and his name is Jesus. There is nothing different from me and you. Do not look up me, don't look at me up here on this stage and think I have it all together. I am a human being just like you. I need the grace of God just like you. It's easy to, you can say, oh, it's easy for you, DeAndre, you work at the church. It's easy for you, you're married. You, I had to fight for those in faith. Listen, the only thing I got going for me is that I trust Jesus. The only thing I have going for me is that I believe that Jesus Christ is on the throne. He's in complete control of my life and everything is gonna work out because he got it. That's the only thing. The only thing that matters. The only thing that matters. Follow me. And I'll equip you to be a fisher of men. Follow me, and I will equip you to be a fisher of men. You know, out of the 2,000, over 2,000 speeches that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave, the very last one on April 3rd of 1968, the last thing he ever said publicly was a declaration about Jesus Christ. Out of the 2,000 speeches, the last thing this man said was my eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. Go look it up. It's called I've been to the mountaintop speech. The last thing he ever said, he died the next day. And in that speech, he even prophesies. He says, I just want to do God's will. I'm not focused on living a long life. I want to do God's will. Because he wasn't just a political man. He wasn't just the, the leader of a movement. He was a child of God called to be a fisher of men. Could you imagine, if not only him, thousands of men and women throughout history, but could you imagine if they simply stopped and said, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm gonna just live my life and do me. Could you imagine if Dr. King settled for that? Could you imagine if our pastors settled for that? Could you imagine if God settled for that? I'm so thankful that he wasn't just up in heaven and saying, I love them. It's going to work out. God bless you. I bless you. Nah. He stepped into the mess and did something about it. So my question to you is, are you going to stop at the fact that you're saved and forgiven? Like, I think as Christians and believers, we stop at the cross. Do not get me wrong. That's where our salvation comes through, the cross. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just Jesus died for me and I'm forgiven, the cross. 
There's a resurrection, a new life. There's Pentecost, where you're filled with the Spirit to now live that life in purpose and in power. Don't just sit down and be content with being saved. Step up and be the man and woman that God created you to be, a fisher of men saved by the Spirit of God. There is so much more to life than what we make it. We're the ones that marginalize God and put him into a box. We're the ones that get caught up on being right and wrong. It's not about being right. It's about being righteous. It's about being who God called us to be. Oh, this is a mature word. I pray you can take hold of this. What I think doesn't matter. What I, DeAndre Thomas, think honestly doesn't matter. And let me be transparent. I battled this all week. All week. I'm scrolling. I'm watching the news. I'm scrolling. I'm watching the news. I'm hearing this opinion, this opinion, this opinion, this opinion. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in that and end up fighting and miss the real fight. The fight for me this week was to focus and say, Jesus, you are the answer. You are the ultimate fight. It's all about you and reaching your people. I need your grace. We need the spirit of God. I pray that we get this church. There are so many voices in the world today. Everybody got an opinion. Everybody and their mama got something to say. And if you're not careful, you will be caught up in it. Oh my God, I gotta say something. One of your family members will call you up saying, did you hear about this? Can you believe Trump? And if you're not careful, you will. And you miss the whole point. We miss the whole point. I miss the whole point. So many voices, so many opinions in the world today. We need the spirit of truth. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's not enough to just come to church. It's not enough to just raise your arms and just sing songs. You got to be in tune with the spirit. He's our helper. How many of you guys know that we need help? (laughs) I need help. Ask my wife, I ain't got this. Jesus, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. We need to be led into truth. And for those of you that are bold, God gave you that. Those of you that, that want to fight, that's a good thing. The enemy comes, twists it, and uses it for his own little thing. He manipulates. But that, that fight in you, God put that there to fight the good fight, to fight for those that are marginalized, that are oppressed, to speak up in faith but in grace. Where I'm not moved by the left's opinion, I'm not moved by the right's opinion, I'm not moved by my social media or what everybody's doing, I am moved by the spirit of truth because he's the one that's leading me. That takes humility. To look at somebody that could be cussing you out in your face and say, you're not the problem. Pastor says that all the time, I'm the problem. I need to surrender. I need to lay down my will, my opinions, what I think is right. Because you could be right and wrong. You could be, I'm right, but dead wrong. Let's be righteous. Let's be people of grace. I love Jesus. He's the ultimate example. They couldn't do nothing with him. (laughs) 
they would be throwing everything at him, wanting to try to pull him into a fight, and he would just be Jesus. <laughs> Can we just be children, friends of Jesus? Can we be so confident and we're led? I want to go back to this, that fight that God put in you. That fight that he put in you. Submit that to the Holy Spirit and watch him use that for his glory. Like, think about this. I would rather be a really good echo than my own voice. Our world is filled with everybody with their voice and their fight. But how many people are taking the time to say, but what are you saying, Lord? Because that's where the power is at. That's where the life's at. That's where the change is at. Our greatest fight is surrendering. That's your greatest fight. Honestly, everything else from that kind of flows. Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. I present myself as a living sacrifice. I forget where I read this, but it was somebody talking about, could you imagine every day trying to pull a living sacrifice onto an altar? It's alive. It's going to fight. Our greatest fight is to fight ourselves, that part of us that wants to rebel and do our own thing. And we can't do it in our own strength. Because if we lose that battle, everything else is skewed. Everything else is foggy. We need the Holy Spirit to clear the fog from our eyes, to give us that confidence, that peace, that love, that joy, to show us what it means to actually live a healthy life. And when we hear healthy, we're so, we're so shallow, we automatically think physical. But it's so much more deeper than that. It's so much more beautiful and amazing than that. Healthy filled with the things that actually matter, living a life of purpose, filled with peace, with love, with joy, where you are actually a nice person. You're actually a joy to be around. People get around you and you build them up. People get around you and you are naturally encouraging. That you're not making your decisions based off of your hurt or your pain. The Lord can come in and heal that. And even if, even if somebody is actively hurting you or against you, you now see them through a different lens. You see them through the perspective of faith and grace. You see them as a broken and hurt person themselves. No human being on this earth is our enemy. There's only one enemy. And he's already lost. only one enemy and he's already lost. Notice how on the cross Jesus said, it is finished. Not, I did my part now. I hope they do this. No, it is finished. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ is the moment of your greatest victory. And now you don't serve God to prove anything. You serve it because it's the fruit of your salvation. Where now being a fisher of men is now, you take that personally. You take that personally. You take personal relationship of your relationship with God. Where you're not coming here every week, feed me. Where is that from? Never mind. 
feed me, shut. Thank you. <laughs> but you're not showing up being a consumer. Pastor talks about this all the time, and I love it. But we're here to contribute, not just on Sunday, every day of the week. That's where God is. God's in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But here we are. Oh, I can't wait to the weekend. I can't wait to the weekend. I can't. Yeah, me either. But be present because you're missing those opportunities. Could you imagine, like, we're in New Bedford. We're in the South Coast, so we know a lot about fishing. Could you imagine if fishermen went up with their gear, set up? I'm a fisherman. I got my pole, I got my string, I got my bait, and they just sit there. But I don't do nothing about it. You look at them like, what are you doing? What's good with you? Showing up with our Bible, our notebook, listening to a podcast. Oh, I got my sermon, I got my word. What are you doing? Fish. Fish. And let me tell you this, I, I need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to actually do this. Like, can I let you into my world for a second? I don't naturally want to do anything than what I want to do. I know you guys aren't nothing like me, you know, pray for your boy, pray for your boy. But there's a lot of things that are in this good book that naturally, if I had it my way, yeah, all right. <laughs> I got to die daily. Not my will, but your will be done. Worship team, you guys can come up. I don't know where you guys are. <laughs> this is my first time in New Bedford on a Sunday, so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, here I go with the iPad problems. <laughs> the Bible says that light stepped into darkness. Jesus looked at the world, saw the mess that we got ourselves into, saw the darkness, saw all the evil, saw all the hurt and the pain, saw our insecurities, and said, I'm going to do something about it. And he stepped out of eternity into the temporary. The word, the God of the universe became flesh, dwelt among us. Show us what it meant to live. Conquered death by dying and was raised to life. You can call me crazy, but with everything in me, I believe that. I believe that life is so much better with Jesus. And not just better in the sense of when you eat your vegetables, your, your diet is better. Not just if you eat your vitamin one a day, your fruity pebble gummy, your health is going to be better. No. Like for me, for so many years, that's how I approached God in church. I approached him like he was vegetables. It's a good thing. I should go to church. I should have a relationship with him. But I didn't. For 24 years, I didn't eat vegetables until I got married. <laughs> Jesus is not just a good thing. He's not just something that you could add to your life to give you good feelings and goosebumps and good vibes to get me through. 
Although oh, he, whew, he will get you through. He's the only thing that matters. I don't know what's in the way this morning. That's on you to surrender or lay down. I know the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to that thing. But it is not more important than life itself. You see, the Bible says that God breathed into Adam. Breathed the breath of life. Life came from God into humanity to the point where Adam had kids and 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 and we're all here. That life comes from God. Jesus is life itself. And if you don't get him right, you miss the point of life itself. Those of you that try to find your life will lose it. But if you're willing to lose your life for him, you'll gain true life. Church, let's stand together. So I have some action steps for us starting today. The first one is surrender daily. Take personal responsibility for your relationship with Jesus Christ. No one else is going to do it for you. It's an everyday thing. I can't imagine if I only talked to my wife once for an hour and a half on Sunday. Every healthy relationship requires communication. And the crazy thing about God is he wants to talk to you and he wants to hear from you. And here's the thing, when you open up your book and you read it, not just any book, the book, the Bible, he will speak something specifically to your situation better than me or anybody else ever could. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Surrender daily. And it's simple. Set some time apart in the morning. Say, Lord, I need you today. Open up your Bible app, read that first verse, and be like, Lord, speak this. Help me to walk this thing out today. Be intentional. Be intentional. Second one is feed your spirit. And you know, to feed your spirit, sometimes you gotta starve your flesh. A lot of times in the church we hear things like fast and we, eh. And I'm not going to tell you what it is that you should cut away. The Holy Spirit will do that better than I can. But ask yourself today, be honest with yourself. What in my life do I need to not just surrender, let it die, cut it out? Because for God to pour in, sometimes we need to be empty. And pastor says something this week on the Bible study. Sometimes we even need to cut out other voices in the church. I was actually talking to Aaron about this this week. Sometimes I need to stop playing worship music to actually worship. Sometimes we put the song on and we think we're good. Yeah, feel your atmosphere. That's a very good thing. But sometimes we think we're just good because we put on the song and we're listening to it. Sometimes you need to turn that off and tell the Lord, look, I'm thankful for you. How about you sing to the Lord alone in your car or in the shower? Communion with God. Feed your spirit. Prayer. Getting in your Bible. Crew is going to be launching soon. Get into a crew. Get around like-minded people. My faith didn't honestly become real, honestly, until I got connected to other people that I could bounce my questions and my struggles off, that I really could say, oh, snap, you care about me. I don't need to do anything. You care about me. And God shows us his love through that. Share your faith. 
I think it's time the church starts fishing again. If there's anything that the last three months have shown me is that God is not playing. And I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that God is good. And he is victorious. Share your faith. Don't just talk the talk. Walk it out. Live this life knowing that you are a child of God. And listen, we don't have anything that the world needs, but Jesus does, and he's in you. Online. You don't have it, he does, and he's in you. Own that. Walk in it. And join us for street team. You know, there's invite cards on social media right now if you're a host. Share this stream. Invite some of your friends and family to come over to your house. You know, you can head to our website. We're launching this thing called New Life at Home where you can now host. You can have your own gathering in your home to share the love, share the word of God. Online street team. Here, you are the street team. Honestly, if we were all living this, we wouldn't have to mobilize it and call it something. We should all naturally just live this. On your phone, on social media, pastor calls it a social media missionary, social media warriors. Spread this. People need hope. Like, as the world gets darker, our light has to shine brighter. Jesus, through his church, is the only hope for the world. And I'm telling you, people are hungry. Some of you today came in here, you know you're hungry. You know you're going through some things that you can't conquer on your own. You know this, this year, 2020, want all the smoke. 2020 has showed us that if we don't got God, we don't got nothing. We are the street team. Online, in here. Get some invite cards. Send out some personal texts. Call up some people. Say, hey, I'm praying for you. I love you. Is there anything that you need? You will blow people's minds. Let's be the church. Let's go fishing. Nobody bats a thousand, but whoa, if you could just catch one. If you could just love the person in front of you. You know, we always say love God, love people. Love God, love the people, the person that's in front of you. Because if not, we can say, oh, I love people, but miss the people that God puts in our life every single day. And it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. There's still a call on your life. Jesus sees you right where you are. When Jesus was 12 years old, he was in the temple schooling adults. So just because you're a young person here, don't think that God can't use you. But it all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything I said doesn't matter. It's not anchored, based in any substance without a real encounter with the living God who now wants to not only save you, but guide you and walk with you every single step of the way until that day when we're all standing in eternity. We get to bring eternity to today, every day. And it's not going to be easy. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. But you better believe it's worth it. You better believe it's worth it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made the decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, this moment is for you. Online, God is with you. I believe that the Holy Spirit is filling your home, your car, your workplace, wherever you are, he is there. So if you know that's you, you have some things that you need to surrender, you need to lay down. 
this is your moment. So church, let's pray together. Let's say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be the leader. Be my friend. Forgive me. I accept your grace. Give me your wisdom. Give me your love, your peace. Fill me. My life is yours. And in your holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's give it up for everybody that said that prayer. If you said that prayer for the first time, you just made the best decision you could have ever ever made in your life. And honestly, it's not a one-time thing. Every day, I need to repent. Every day, I need to be filled up. So today, when you go home, repent. (laughs) Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, repent. Start each day with that and just keep coming. You're not going to be perfect. God doesn't call us to be perfect. He calls us to be his children. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, he becomes your perfection. So stop trying. The Holy Spirit will do his thing and work that out in you. Amen. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week. Thank you.